0: BLOB TALK RADIO
1: The Dr. Karen Can Radio Show. The intention of this show is to empower and inspire you to manifest the life of your dreams, whether it's radiant health, prosperity, loving relationships, or simply peace of mind. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Can, author of the number one bestseller, Guide to Healing Chronic Pain: A Holistic Approach. Today, I'm interviewing one of my heroes, Dr. Bruce H. Lipton, who I feature actually in my book, Guide to Healing Chronic Pain. Like Dr. Lipton, I studied cell biology uh, at the university and uh, actually the University of uh, McMaster in Hamilton, Ontario. I got a degree in biochemistry. I actually went on to work in molecular biology in a lab the summer before medical school. And uh, so I was in front of test tubes instead of people. And we were in our lab, we were one of the first new group of scientists in Canada to use uh, what's called the polymerase chain reaction. It's a way of amplifying DNA, and and back then, we had to use old-fashioned water baths, you know, to heat and cool samples, heat and cool samples. It was very inefficient. Now, they actually have machines to do all that automatically. It's amazing how times have changed, and boy, I'm really revealing my age now. Anyway, so like so many of us in science, uh, Dr. Lipton and I were first taught that the DNA in our cells controls our genetic destiny. So, if your parents had diabetes, heart disease, and high cholesterol like my parents, we were taught that there's a pretty good chance that you would end up that way too because it was in your genes. But Dr. Lipson discovered through his own research that the DNA wasn't in control, quote unquote, of ourselves or our health, and that the belief that we were taught in school is not only false, it can be downright unhealthy. Today, we're going to be talking about epigenetics and what everyone needs to know about what they can do to override their so called bad genes or their programming. A little bit about Dr. Bruce Lipton. He's a pioneer in new biology. He's actually a cell biologist by training, I mentioned before. And uh, he was on the faculty of the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and later performed groundbreaking stem cell research at Stanford University. He's the best-selling author of The Biology of Belief, one of my favorite books of all time, and the more recent Spontaneous Evolution, and even more recently The Honeymoon Effect, which we'll talk a little bit about later in the show. Thank you so much, Bruce, for joining us.
0: Oh, I am so appreciative of this opportunity, and I—I I just want to acknowledge to uh, your wonderful audience, who are people that are seeing a new future. I want to uh, just say how proud I am of the work you do, uh, of bringing a new awareness into the to world, because it's part of our necessary evolution. Ah,
1: uh, thank you, thank you very much. Well, let's talk about your book that I first started—you um, know—reading uh, about you in the Biology of Belief, and that I was. So so ready for this book because um, I was frustrated with what I was taught in medical school. Um, I was frustrated because people felt like they couldn't change their lives, and I knew they could. And here you are with this book, and you actually proved to me scientifically that the conventional life sciences that we were taught is flawed. Unfortunately, we're still teaching that in our universities. So could you share with our audience what are some of those antiquated beliefs? And, and uh, well, you I know, think,
0: as you mentioned very early on, the, the most important uh, <laughs> belief that is – you know, actually disempowering us is a belief that mm-hmm. genes control uh, our characters and our traits and in some sense uh, map out our fate even at the moment of conception. And, and that we're also recognized that we don't pick the genes as far as we know. And if we don't like the traits that we have, we can't change the genes. And then you realize, oh my gosh, I'm powerless and my genes control me and I can influence them. And all of a sudden that the, the a feeling of victim comes in. I'm a victim of my heredity. And, and when people believe they're victims, they, they are disempowering themselves. So, uh, And they're also empowering other people who <laughs> say, look, you're a victim, and I'll take care of you, like the pharmaceutical industry will come oh, in and yeah. say, oh, listen, you're weak and frail, and but we make chemicals that can fix you, so you need us, and, and all of a sudden we have a very bad thing going on. When we know this fact... The the belief that we were taught about genes controlling life is totally false for a very simple reason. In real, actual truth, a gene is a blueprint. It's just a molecular blueprint to make proteins uh, which create our body and our behavior. And, and so they're blueprints for the parts. Uh, and why is that important? Because blueprints don't turn themselves on and off, as we have been told. Well, all of a sudden, he says, well, what do you mean? The blueprint, the gene, is not turning itself on and off. I say, no, uh, uh, they're not self-actualizing. They don't make decisions. They have no particular awareness about what's going on. So how can genes turn on and off and make decisions? The answer is they're just blueprints. But it becomes more important than to say, well, if they're blueprints, then what you're really interested in is who's the contractor, the one that selects the blueprints and controls the reading out of these blueprints. And it turns out... It's actually the mind. And and it's really mm-hmm. important to understand that uh, because it's uh, it's uh, the mind and the environment. Uh, exactly. First, it's the environment, but then we have to recognize that our brain is, is between the environment and ourselves. So our brain reads the signals from the environment, then makes an interpretation. That's called the mind. And that interpretation then uh, results in a lot of actions executed by the brain to control uh, all aspects of our biology. So basically, what's the difference is this. Uh, When we say genetic control, conventional uh, talk, uh, uh, that means simply controlled by genes. The new science is called epigenetics. It it almost sounds exactly the same. It says epigenetics. So I say, what is epi? Uh, Well, Mm -hmm. epi is a prefix above. So when I say epigenetic control, I am saying control above the genes. This is the new science that is revolutionizing the world of healthcare and medicine and biology because it really reveals that it's the environmental information and our perception of the environment that control our genes. I say, well, why is this revolutionary? If genes control our lives, we're victims because genes make the decision. But when it comes out that it's the environment and our perception that controls our genes, then we have to recognize this. We are masters because we can change the environment, we can change our perceptions, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. we become in control of our biology. Well, that's the, the, uh, the real important message of the new science called epigenetics, and it becomes profoundly important because it emphasizes how we interpret the world totally directly affects our physiology. Uh, you know, a profound and simple example is you can hypnotize somebody, And you're going to say, I'm going to touch you with a burning cigarette here on your arm. And they watch you, but you're actually just touching them with the tip of your finger. And in their their hypnotic state, they see that they're being burned by a cigarette. Guess what? 30 seconds after I touch them with my finger, they have a blister. Wow. Wait a minute. How did that happen? the answer is the mind took the perception and created the biology to match the perception. Okay, And all of a sudden, why is that important? Because it demonstrates the nature of the power of the mind in controlling our biology. We've talked about it for 100 years called the placebo effect. And the placebo effect is, of course, you have a positive thought that, this, let's say, this drug is going to heal you. You take the drug, you get better, and then later find out the drug was sugar, you're left with an important point. What was the healing action? Where did that Mm -hmm. come from? The answer, not the sugar. It came from the belief. So a lot of people say, yes, I know about the belief, yes, it's that positive thinking, you can heal yourself with it. And I go, and what we've left out of the story is more important. It's not just positive belief that affects biology, it's belief that affects biology. And what I mean by that is a negative belief is equally powerful to creating an experience as a positive belief, except it goes in the opposite direction. Positive beliefs, placebo effect it's called, generate healing from just the belief. Um, There's a, a term in medicine called nocebo, and that is a negative belief. Well, a negative belief is equally powerful, but rather than healing, a negative belief can cause sickness and can actually kill you. And so why is this important? And all of a sudden it says we've left out of all equations about health What is your attitude, beliefs, and perceptions about life? Because everything was presumably controlled by the genes, the biochemistry, and you were just sort of like a a backseat passenger in your own body, sitting back there and the body was Mm -hmm. doing all these things you were asking it to do, and then every now and then falling apart or something or doing something totally wrong. And it was, oh, the body did that. Now the biology turns around and says, the body was totally responding to your perceptions. And all of a sudden it says, oh my God, then how I look at the world and my beliefs about the world shape the world. And this is what people have been saying for a thousand years. But when we got into science and we got into mechanism, we got into chemistry and DNA, uh, all of that other stuff that now becomes metaphysical... Has left the science and then we deal with a body as a as just a physical machine made out of these chemical parts and if there 's something wrong with it, we replace the chemicals and uh, adjust it with chemicals and and you are, are just you know being carried around by this body and it 's like wow, we bring in the new biology epigenetics we bring in the new quantum physics, and together mm-hmm. they say exactly what people have told us for a thousand years it's uh, it's the, our perceptions, our beliefs, our, our attitudes, our emotions, these are what shape our biology. And and, and then the, the, a lot of people, when I tell them in the lecture, for example, I say, okay, uh, you are creating your life with your beliefs, and then they look at me like, what are you, crazy? You know, it's like, I right. wouldn't, have, I wouldn't <laughs> have created this mess <laughs> if, I, if I was creating. I wouldn't have done this. So when we look at the world as... Uh, things happen to us because it's not what we wanted. Uh, We always perceive that we're victims of things, victims of fate or victims of fortune or whatever it is. Uh, It's out of our control because think about it this way. Uh, We have beliefs of what we want out of life. We have wishes and desires of what we want. And as we wake up every day and, you know, go forward in life with the intention to get these wishes and desires, then we find we come home, same old stupid life, didn't get the wishes and desires. So by definition, you have to say, well, it's not me. I went forward with wishes and desires, and whatever uh, things happen, uh, they stop me in my traction. I didn't get it. So I'm a victim of those things. Right. Well, now science has recognized, oh, my God, a story that is so empowering that it's it's so unbelievable because it says this that yes, the mind controls the biology just like the hypnosis we talked about but it also says this there's two parts to the mind there's the conscious mind and the subconscious mind we have frequently in our thought put the two together that they're just part of the same mechanism but it turns out they're two separate entities The conscious mind is where you reside as a unique entity, a spiritual entity. uh, The person you are is in the conscious mind. That's the latest evolution of the brain right behind the forehead. And and then why is this important? Because before the conscious mind evolved, the rest of the brain is what we would call the unconscious mind. And it managed all the details. It was just like stimulus response. And, and And it learned patterns and just repeated patterns. Well, here's the point. The conscious mind, the latest edition of the mind, is creative. Mm. It's the one that has wishes and desires and, and our aspirations and what we want for life. This, I say, what do you want uh, from your life? And the answers come from that conscious, creative mind. And I say, what about the subconscious mind? I say, no, no. The subconscious mind is not really creative. It's a habit mind. You learn something, and once you learn it, you just push the button, and now it plays all the time. You don't have to relearn it again. It's a great mechanism. So, I mean, how long did it take you to learn how to walk? Uh, That was a very busy period in your childhood to work the nervous system to stand up. But now what? Now you know how to do it. You don't even have a thought of walking. You want to go somewhere. You don't even have to say, I'm walking. You just go. The walking is automatic. Or driving a car. Uh, You you got in the car the first time overwhelmed with all the things you had to pay attention to. And now you've been driving a car for a while. You get in the car. You put the key in the ignition. You're not thinking about the details. It's like become a habit. So, Subconscious mind is really cool because once we learn how to do anything—a job, a behavior, or communicating, uh, driving the car, walking—all these things—they they don't require think. The what's important is this: is that the um, conscious mind is you, and the subconscious mind is habits. And and here's what and here's the whole secret to life comes into this the conscious mind is not time-bound, meaning you can think into the future or think into the past or just disconnect and have a daydream in your head with your conscious mind. You can think. Uh, And if your conscious mind is thinking about what's happening next Wednesday, then by definition it's not paying attention to what's happening right now. If your conscious mind is thinking what you did last Friday, it's not paying attention to what you're doing right now. If you have a daydream of a thought, of a vision going on in your head, you're not paying attention to what's going on right now. So The nature of the system is this. The conscious mind runs the system when it focuses on it, but the conscious mind is thinking all the time, and so the default is the subconscious program. And the problem with that is because the conscious mind is not paying attention, it doesn't see the programs coming from the subconscious mind. They just play invisibly in the background, <laughs> and, and this becomes very critical. In my lectures, I, I tell a story everyone is familiar with, and they laugh, but it's profoundly important. I say, uh, you had a friend, you know your friend's behavior very, very well, and uh, you know uh, your friend's parent. And one day you recognize your friend has the same behavior as their parent, and so you volunteer something like, "Hey, you know, Bill, you're just like your dad." And, and then Bill goes ballistic. How can you compare me to my dad? Well, almost everybody's had that experience. I said, "Why is this profound?" Because it shows Bill was playing his dad's behavior, but he didn't see it. And the, and the question mm-hmm. is, "Well, how did that happen?" And the answer is this: because his conscious mind was busy, and he defaulted to the habit programs. And the fundamental habits that are in our, in our subconscious are not ours. They came from our life experiences growing up. We recorded other people's behavior. So Bill, when he's not paying attention, is playing behavior, but it's not his. It's the one he downloaded from his dad. Well, if it's not a good behavior, then he sabotaged himself because he didn't see it. And all of a sudden I said, well, that's a great story about Bill, but here's the story. All of us are Bill. Wow. Every day science has found that 95% of the day we're thinking and if we're thinking, we're not paying attention. So 95% of the day we're playing habits out of the subconscious program. But as we know from child development, the fundamental habits or behaviors of life are, are acquired by observing other people and downloading their behavior. So Bill acts like his dad, and Sarah acts like her mother, uh, because this is the way nature programmed the infant to get a start into life. Well, the problem is, we have two minds, the conscious mind with your wishes and desires, and the subconscious mind with behaviors, but fundamentally not even your behaviors so why is this relevant? 95% of the day, we move toward our wishes and our desires and uh, excuse me excuse me. 5% 5%, yeah. 5% of the day, we're moving toward the conscious mind's wishes and desires 95% of the day because the conscious mind is in thought we are running from the subconscious habits and the fundamental habits in there not even our own behavior and 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 why is this important because if we're 95% of the day operating from these habits and we don't see them then what would be the significance if some of these habits are sabotaging like psychologists tell us then it means oh my god during the day you're moving forward to where you think you want to go but you're sabotaging your life with your own beliefs and 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 this is what we're beginning to find out, is, oh my God, it's the perceptions that are being carried off in the mind. Well, if the mind is running on automatic, like it does 95% of the day, then by definition, the behaviors that the biology is adjusting itself to are not necessarily ones that support anything that you have in your wishes and desires. Mm. And in fact... Psychologists tell us most most of that fundamental programming in childhood is disempowering, limiting, and self-sabotaging uh, because most children were criticized uh, as they were growing up, uh, as parents were doing that, thinking they were going to, you know, like a coach, encourage the child to do better, not knowing that if a child's under seven, they're not consciously processing that. They're just recording it. So when a child is told, well, you don't deserve that, It it just immediately records. I do not deserve. You're not that smart. Or you're not that healthy. Or whatever these things are, they become recordings in the subconscious. And you got that when you were five, let's say. And now you're 50. uh, 95% of the day, you're still playing that behavior. And you're sabotaging yourself. And and so, you know, I know I'm talking on and on, uh, Karen. I just want to, if I could just finish with this, I'd say, well, what would, okay, average everyday life sucks uh, 95% of it uh, being derived from behaviors that we don't even observe. So, And, again, as I said, really not supporting. And then I say, there's a special time in most people's lives where they fall in love. And they fall head over heels in love. And I say, go back to that time period where you just... Met this person and life was like all of a sudden this explosion. And I asked people, were you healthy? And almost everybody says that they were exuberantly healthy. And I said, do you have energy when you fell in love like that? And they they all laugh because they know they made love for days without stopping for food or sleep. And, and and then I say, was life so beautiful when you fell in love like that? You couldn't wait for the next day to have more. And they go, yes. And I go, was well, sort of like heaven on earth. And they go, yes. And I go, it turns out it wasn't that an accident or coincidence. It turns out when science has now looked at the consciousness uh, and subconscious profile of people in love, it's a complete reverse of everyday life. Everyday life, you're only conscious 5% of the time creating wishes and desires. But when you fall in love, you're conscious 90% or more of the time, meaning almost all of your activity is controlled by wishes and desires. I say, well, then if you're not playing the subconscious programs and you're operating from your wishes and desires, what did your life create? The honeymoon, health, heaven, on earth. And I say, well, how come the honeymoon disappears? And then it goes, we go back to the same problem, and here's the issue. At some point, even though we've been keeping our conscious mind uh, in attention and mindful when you're in love, I mean, for a very simple reason, why let your mind wander When everything you wanted in your dream world is in your face. (laughs) So basically, Mm -hmm. your conscious mind stays present. But as long as it's present, it's operating every decision from wishes and desires. But then life does intervene. You still got to pay the rent, you got to fix the car, you got your job. And so your mind starts to wander. And all of a sudden, the first time your mind starts to wander, you start introducing those behaviors in your subconscious program, many of which are not yours and many of them really bad. (laughs) Right. And all of a sudden that that honeymoon you created starts to fall apart because we start playing these self-sabotaging programs. And remember, we're not even seeing them when we do that, so we're sabotaging a relationship with our own bad behavior, not even knowing we're playing bad behavior. And when two people are doing this, they end up with a relationship falling apart and then thinking, how did something so beautiful go so bad? And the answer is simply this. It was beautiful when you operated from conscious minds, wishes, and desires, and it fell apart when you got back into the programming that we got in the first seven years of our lives. And and this is the undermine because these are the self-sabotaging programs that, that affect our lives invisibly every day. And, and so uh, there's a wonderful conclusion to this understanding, and that is you can reprogram the subconscious and if you reprogram it and put in, just think about it, if you reprogram your subconscious and eliminated the bad characteristics and replace them with behaviors that are associated with your wishes and desires, then that would mean very simply this. You could be in a honeymoon of uh, experience with your conscious mind, but stay there the rest of your life, because even when you stepped out of your conscious mind for a moment... Your subconscious programs would support exactly the same behavior anyway, so the honeymoon wouldn't be a short period of time. The honeymoon, the nature of creating heaven on earth, the opportunity that we were provided with as spirits coming to this planet is to create that, is available to us once we get out of the program, and all of a sudden it's the story of the movie The Matrix, that says, we've all been programmed, and if you take the blue pill, you just go back into the program and continue where you left off, but if you take the red pill, you can get out of the program, and now uh, the exciting part is, well, what would be the consequence of taking the red pill? And the answer is, essentially, you functionally did that when you fell in love, and what is the consequence of that, that love? And the answer was, it took regular life and created health, harmony, happiness, and heaven from not.
1: Playing the old programs. Wow, I've never heard it explained that well, Bruce. That is phenomenal. And and now I I even get even more. You know, my spiritual teachers, my spiritual coach, Pat Jones, is always talking about being present and being and being. And because I'm an achiever, so I tend to like to do, <laughs> yeah. and not always, not always like to be. And so I've been trying to, you know, like to be more. But I think my left brain still wants to know why do I have to be more. And, and it's invisible, it. it's
0: just a drive unconsciously and that's the hard part because it doesn't show up on the radar, and yet we end up doing it and mm-hmm. like yeah, what happened
1: wow uh, that that so the, all those centuries of teaching the the Buddhist mindfulness yes. meditation being present i mean literally scientifically it it just makes so much sense now that you've explained it this way.
0: Well, it, it makes, it, it, and when you put it into practice, which is for me was a scientist, I said, well, you know, it's funny because when I first started talking about it, it was just in my conscious awareness of this understanding of this new science. And, and I would tell people, if you understand what I'm talking about, you can create the most fabulous life on this planet. Well, way back then they'd look at me and cock their heads and go, you know, Lipton, for a guy who says you know this stuff, your, your life doesn't look that great. <laughs> and, and that's when I realized when you educate the conscious mind, it does not, change the programs in the subconscious mind. The right. biggest problem we face is we think, okay, uh, my conscious mind is aware. I read all the self-help books. I went to mm-hmm. the right lectures. I saw all the videos. My right there, conscious Beth. mind is so educated, and guess what? My life is still exactly the same. And the reason is the conscious mind being creative learns in that way. But the subconscious mind learns in, in an entirely different way. The first way it learns, seven years, is because it operates in a theta EEG frequency of hypnosis, and then after seven years of age, how did we learn behaviors, and the answer is we practiced and repeated them until they became habits, and once they became habits, you never had to think about them again, so uh, basically it, it comes down to a very simple understanding, is that um, we, we have the, you know, programmed these habits and, and we can reprogram them, but we, not through reading a book not through talking to yourself. That's even the worst thing, because when you talk to yourself by joke, it's, well, the, that's you, the conscious mind. You're talking to yourself. Who, who are you talking to? And you say, well, okay, I'm talking to the subconscious. I go, there's nobody in there. It's a machine. There's nobody there. <laughs> there's nobody there. It's a its a recording device, just like a video recorder. It records, and then when you push the play button, it plays back exactly what it recorded. That's why it's called a habit. It keeps playing mm-hmm. the same thing over again. And yet your conscious mind can become so aware and so educated in your life, not match it. It, it. It's because educating your conscious mind alone is not the mechanism by which programs are changed in the subconscious. And all of a sudden you realize, oh, my God, I've been so frustrated in my life because I can't get it to learn the program. It's like, yeah, but you haven't been teaching it in the way it learns. And once you start to do that, and especially using, uh, well, the, the three main ways, hypnosis, habituation, repetition, that's what causes habits. And mm-hmm. and thirdly, uh there's a whole bunch of new exciting belief change modalities, energy psychology modalities which uh, are more or less like finding where the damn record button is so you can push Great. it and then download something right away instead of going through the the laborious part of habits. <laughs>
1: And I see you have a huge, uh, you know, uh, index at the, the the back of your honeymoon effect book with lots of links and lots of um, different uh, different you know types of tools that people can use to reprogram their subconscious mind. Extremely helpful. Thank you.
0: Oh uh, yeah, I, because I, I recognize that uh, after experience some of these it's like, oh my God, there there's an understanding of you know there is a mechanism by which you can uh, rewrite these programs, which is really helpful because. We need to change uh, our lives as uh, soon and quickly as we can because the world is in a state of evolution, and what's most important is the evolution that we're experiencing is not the evolution of the human body so that we become something different. It's the evolution of the assembly of humans into a superorganism called humanity Mm -hmm. where uh, we parallel, like, a human body is not a single entity. A human body is 50 trillion amoebas that come together in a community and, and create a biology. So when I say me, I'm actually talking to a community of 50 trillion cells. Well, 7 billion people are like amoebas now coming together to express a superorganism organism. That's why we see the world is in radical change. But to participate in the evolution requires that we really know who we are spiritually and we also uh, rewrite limiting programs that we acquired during the first seven years of our life and even after that uh... so uh... it's really important to to recognize that we are the ones that have to change to participate in the new evolution because our change is the new evolution where people realize that they're powerful creators and that collectively we would all create heaven rather than being run by the few that have turned this beautiful opportunity into the mess we see now So this is great uh, change, and it really is incumbent upon us as individuals mm. to learn so exciting. who we are.
1: Well, Bruce, um, maybe you can share with us uh, your website and where people can find out more about your books and your programs. I know you've been in several movies as well.
0: Yeah, uh, well, it's basically the website has a lot of uh, uh, available information freely downloadable. Of course, just uh, lots of articles and, and uh, references, all kinds of things like that. Resources. That's all, uh, and it's simple. It's just bruce lipton dot com, uh, and the new book, which um, I, I really enjoy, because uh, my other books had a, uh, a bit of more science in it, and this one really is uh, directly applicable to to a large audience that says, "Look, how, how simple." it is to create heaven on earth because you've already done it so let's do it again uh the honeymoon effect book uh, that's available at amazon barnes and nobles bookstores and things like
1: that ah uh, fantastic well we're we're out of time bruce thank you so much for joining us uh i am uh, just thrilled to have you on the show today and uh i thought i i you know learned so much from what you read but what you said today was just mind-blowing <laughs>
0: And I want to thank you uh, for, for letting me spout all that stuff. I went really quickly, I knew, because I wish I had a lot more time with you. Uh, so uh, I went quickly, and um, uh, it was great. all you had to do was at least get the ideas. You are very much more powerful than you think you are, mm-hmm. and you have to uh, take that red pill because uh, the programs have, have made us weak.
1: Thank you, Bruce, and thank you, everyone, for listening in. Until next time, bye for now.